Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. We're still today in a series called Love Is, and we save the hardest lesson for last. It's the hardest lesson, but if I could make you do anything, literally, if you're a Christian and uh, you're you're someone who has received Jesus, you're filled with God's Holy Spirit, uh, if there was anything else I could make you do after making those choices, it would be to make you practice this lesson, and it is this, love is forgiving anyone and anything. Love is forgiving anyone and anything. Now, this is incredibly difficult, but incredibly worthy. Open up your Bibles if you brought them today to the book of Mark. We're going to look at Mark chapter 11 and read some passages of Scripture here starting in verse number 22. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. It'll be on the screen as well. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to look here at verse number 22. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. For truly I say unto you, whoever, that means me and you, says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted unto him. Therefore, I say unto you, all things for which you pray, ask, believe that you receive them, and it will be granted unto you. And whenever you stand praying, asking God to move mountains and fulfill desires, whenever you stand praying, asking God to change something, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your trespasses. Anything. Anyone. Uh, The enemy uh, is just wrong. (laughs) And one of the things he tries to do is to wound you to death. Uh, And to come into a place where in your past you're riddled with people and events uh, that hurt you. When I talk about forgiving anything and anyone, I'm not just talking about forgiving people. Sometimes you have to forgive life, something that didn't work out, something that didn't go the way you wanted it to go, and you're still holding on to the bitterness of that event, holding on to the hurt that was caused you. And when I am doing this, Jesus is teaching here in Mark chapter 11, I am forfeiting my spiritual power. Uh, That my my faith in like God move this mountain is not working. My faith in like God answer this prayer is not working. When you stand praying, uh, get back into your spiritual power. How? Forgiving anything. How? Forgiving anyone. What is unforgiveness? we got to start there to understand if we're in it. What is unforgiveness? It is holding the wave of pain. 
Now, one of the things that I like to do is read a lot, and I like to read a lot about how we think and how we process because I believe our lives are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I believe that God can like literally move so powerfully in a moment, and I'm believing for that more and more in our churches, that in a moment, God moves so powerfully in a service that we are set free by the power of God. But what I've seen, I've grown up in a charismatic type of church. I've seen God in a moment transform someone, change them, heal them. But if the mind is not renewed, it's only a matter of time before they're right back there or worse than when God moves supernaturally. Uh, We are changed by the renewing of our mind. And, And one of the things that I've seen about how the mind works when it comes to pain is pain comes in waves. Uh, so, um, it's funny, me and my wife were talking about this the other day. Uh, my father passed away when I was 17, and honestly, I've completely healed. I've forgiven that event. I've let it go. I've moved on. But still, the pain comes in waves. So, like, my birthday was August 13th, uh, 39 years old, uh, and out of that, um, uh, holding on to the 30s, uh, but out of that... Um, I miss my father, and it was very weird because I don't process that verbally a lot, but I process that verbally with my wife on two separate occasions. And she said, like, what is that? I haven't heard you talk about that a lot. And somebody says, well, what is that? Wave comes in pain. Our pain comes in waves. And so when it washes over you, it could be like a birthday or it could be a Christmas or it could be like um, you're driving by a place and you had a memory at that place of, you know, with someone or something that happened and it brings it to your attention. That pain came in a wave. If you've forgiven and if you've healed from the person and the event, it washes over you and it's done. Um, If you're in unforgiveness towards that event or person, it lingers and your soul is, is being constantly moved by it. You find yourself waiting in the pain. It's not a bad thing to feel pain. The pain you can feel is the pain you can heal. If you can't feel the pain, that could be a spiritual problem because if you don't feel the pain, you're not addressing the pain. You can get so hard of heart that you don't feel anything. We don't want you to get to that place. But if you're, you're feeling the pain and you've forgiven it, it's, it's okay. It moves on. But if you're in unforgiveness, it lingers. And you're finding that pain there a lot. Uh, and you're finding that come against your soul. And if it's an event, you feel the grief and the anger of the event often. If it's a person, when you see the person or when you engage with the person or you hear about the person, you find that pain still there. It's a sign that I have not forgiven something, anything. It's a sign that I have not forgiven someone, anyone. Uh, what is unforgiveness? Number two... It is a desire, the desire to make someone or see someone pay for what they did. Uh, you want it made up to you. Uh, you, you want it, uh, you, you know, paid back to you. Uh, and it could be, you know, returning evil for evil and something as silly as like the silent treatment. It's like, you hurt me, now I'm not going to talk to you. When? Until I feel like it's enough. Uh, and that type of thing. It's returning evil for evil. It's coming down on their level. It's you talk about me, now I talk about you. And you hurt me, now I hurt you. It's this wounded me, and so now I'm going to treat you differently. It's, it's wanting to make them pay or to see them pay. 
And if there's any desire in your heart for them to pay or to be punished or any desire in your heart to be a part of that process, you are in unforgiveness. Number three, it is uh, no desire for reconciliation. It takes one person to forgive. It takes two people to reconcile. So I'm not saying in any shape, form, or fashion that there needs to be reconciliation between you and the person who wounded you. Um, we talked about this two weeks ago, that in life and in Scripture, it teaches us to set boundaries. When the prodigal son comes to the father and he says, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying when he says, give me my inheritance. It's like, I wish you would just go ahead and die. How many of you know that would hurt? You have a son tell you that? I just wish you were dead. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to have anything to do with your house. I'm leaving. The father let him leave. Uh, forgiveness is, is one-sided. Reconciliation is two-sided. And so the, the father waited for the other son to change and to repent to come back before that boundary was lifted. He didn't go out chasing it. He didn't go out trying to like, uh, you know, maneuver around it or once again to save consequences. Uh, he allowed it all to play out. And when the other son has this moment where he comes to himself and he realizes like, I have been wronged. And he comes back to the father's house. What does he see the father always wanted? What did the father want? Reconciliation. Uh, and so if you have a desire for reconciliation, it means you've forgiven. Uh, but we see this sometimes in, in, uh, in our culture. It's like, well, I've forgiven you. I just don't want to have anything to do with you. Uh, like, I, I'm over the pain, Pastor Joel. I just never want to see their face again. I'm completely moved on, uh, you know, and that type of thing. That's still unforgiveness. Forgiveness desires reconciliation. And it doesn't necessarily mean the relationship will ever be at the same level it was before. But it just means I desire to laugh with you. I desire to pray with you. I desire to worship with you. And it doesn't mean we ever will. It doesn't mean Saul will ever stop throwing spears. It just means me as David, I desire to be at your table. I desire not to have my hand be upon you. Like I desire reconciliation. How many of you know with Christ, when he forgives us, it's not just like, well, I forgive you, but I've now canceled you. It's like you don't exist to me. Uh, like <laughs> with Christ, it's like, no, not only will I forgive you, I desire to be with you. I desire to connect with you. Forgiveness is a desire for reconciliation. Uh, and so in life, if I find myself like the, the waves of pain are lingering, Pastor Joel. Pastor Joel, there's still a part of me that wants to make them pay. And if you knew how bad they hurt me, you would understand why they would need to pay and make up for what they did. Or if you're like, Pastor Joel, I have no desire to ever see that person again ever in my life. <laughs> like, I, I no desire whatsoever to reconnect with them. If you find yourself here, you have uh, unforgiveness in your life. And I know that that's hard um, to, to hear, but I say it as a pastor who wants to lead you into to fields that are green and besides still waters, and I know you'll never find those still waters, mentally or physically, until I can move you into the path of forgiveness. Uh, so somebody says, well, why? Like, why would anybody engage in this process of forgiveness, of like letting go of things? Well, Matthew 18 tells us why. Let's go over and look at it. 
Uh, we'll look here. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and asks him an incredibly honest question. I love Peter in this moment. He reveals his humanity. Uh, and he comes to Jesus in Matthew 18 and 21, and it says, And Peter came and said unto Jesus, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother uh, who sins against me? How often do I need to forgive him? Up to seven times. And how many of you think Peter was talking about someone specific in this moment? Uh, Like he had already made up his mind exactly who it was who had done this six times. And after the seventh, it's like, I am done with you forever. Uh, Like, (laughs) uh, so he asked this very honest question. And he's like, "How, how long do I have to put up with this? How, how long do I suffer fools? How long do I put myself in this position? Seven times? And so the Lord tells him this, and then he tells him a story. It said, And Jesus said unto him, I do not say unto you up to seven times, but up unto seventy times seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents, that would be the equivalent of $5 million, our currency, had owed him $5 million, was brought to him, that since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, meaning he will pay, I'll make you pay, along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So the slave fell on the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave noticed two things, felt compassion and released. Notice, felt compassion and released. So notice you have something inwardly and you have something outwardly. There's an inward work towards the enemy and an outward work towards the enemy. This is not just like, well, I've forgiven them in my heart. It's like I've also released them physically. They know they're free. Um, And released him and forgave him of the debt. We keep reading here. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. This would be the equivalent of 20 bucks. So he's just been forgiven of 5 million. uh, And he goes out and finds the guy who owes him 20 bucks. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay me back what you owe me. Uh, And uh, his his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, I'll repay you. But he was unwilling, and he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Verse 31. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Verse 32. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Now watch this. Watch this next verse. Because this explains where so many people are at and why I have to teach on this. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Jesus is talking about how the kingdom of God works, and he says that all of us, if you accumulated the whole world's sin, it would be a debt we couldn't pay. And Jesus comes in his mercy and forgives anyone of anything. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the woman caught in adultery. You can be David, commit murder. You can be be Saul and be an abuser, a terrorist. It doesn't matter who you are. He forgives anyone of anything. He forgives the $5 million debt from everyone. Uh, And how many, can, can we give God thanks for that? Like, Thank God. 
Um, so no matter what you've done, anyone, no matter what you did, anything, Jesus forgives the debt. But then we go out and we have people wound us and they can't repay it. The way they treated us when we were children, the way they walked out on us, the way they hurt us, this event, what it took from us, all these types of things. And we're still holding that event. And we're wanting that event to make up what only God can make up. And we're wanting this person to pay for what they did. And Jesus said, as long as you're holding on to this, I'm telling you, you are with the torturers. Now, I pastored now for 20 years, and I'm telling you, I have seen people with the torturers. I have seen people move their their families over into a life where they're constantly dealing with physical things that have a spiritual root. And they're trying to address these things physically, but it's just the fruit of the root. And until they deal with the spiritual thing behind it, they will never be free. Because it's not just something physical, it is something spiritual. And nine times out of ten, that spiritual thing is unforgiveness there. Me holding on to what has happened to me. And if I am willing to address uh, that spiritual root, I can relieve the fruit Uh, of these things and to move my life out of the storm that it's in. Uh, But as long as I am not willing to see this issue in my life, it is limiting God's power that is available towards me. Four things that unforgiveness will do. This actually came from the Mayo Clinic. I went online and be like, what will unforgiveness do to me? Uh, And the Mayo Clinic uh, put these four things, and I'll show you the scripture behind them. Uh, Four things unforgiveness will do. Why forgive? Four things. Number one, you will bring anger and bitterness into every new relationship and experience. If you don't let go of that event, if I hold on to my father passing away, I can remember being at my wedding and being sad. You know why I was sad at my, it's the happiest day of my life. I was sad on that day, why? I wish my father was there. If I can't let go of that event, I bring that event from the past into my present and it robs the joy from that present moment. Uh, If you are constantly moving around with still events and, and things that have happened to you that you're not letting go of, you'll bring that same pain into your marriage, into your parenting, into every new business opportunity. You can move states. You can change everything. You can get remarried. You can do all these new things. But as long as you are not made new, you will make the new just like the old. Because it's not something physical that needs to change. It is something spiritual. And with every new experience, with every new relationship, if I'm bringing this unforgiveness into these areas, it will always rob the present from the joy that it's supposed to have. Uh, It's not me who is making them pay. It's me paying. I heard someone say it's like being thirsty and trying to drink salt water. It's like your thirst will never be quenched. Uh, You have to come and you have to release it. Number two, the second thing it'll do to you, according to the Mayo Clinic, number two, the stress of it will poison your mental health. Now, this is true. I'm not a counselor. People need to understand I'm not a counselor. I didn't go to school for counseling. I have no idea how to counsel. In fact, a lot of times I'm not a good counselor at all because I don't want to tell people what they really need to hear. I just want to be nice and for you to like me when you leave my office. Uh, And so (laughs) I'm learning. I'm learning. I got to speak more truth. But what I can give is spiritual guidance. And so out of that, like I know scripture, 
I know it very well. I'm not saying that arrogantly. It's just you better if you've done this for as long as I've done it. Uh, And so out of that, like I know scripture, and I would say, and part of me wants to say nine out of 10, but I don't want to exaggerate because exaggeration is a sin. Uh, And so, but I would say at least seven out of 10, 70% of people who come in my office for spiritual guidance, who are wrestling with things mentally, anxiety, depression, all these types of things, if I talk to them long enough, I can find the root. You know what it is? Not letting go of something or not letting go of someone. It will poison your mental health. Look at Saul. Do you see how sick in the head that man got? Look at Absalom. Do you see how sick in the head that man got? Look at Judas. Somebody said, Judas, unforgiveness? Yes, he had this moment of encounter. We got offended with Jesus. He's, he's looking at it, and he's like, this money could have been spent on the poor. And he goes out with this root of bitterness that is in him, and it defiled his thinking. Uh, when you get over into this place where I'm holding unforgiveness, it literally messes me up from the inside out. Like, it will literally poison someone's mind. Don't just believe me for it. Look at this scripture in Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, Hebrews 12 and verse 15, see to it, see to it, make sure you pay attention to this, that no one, that means me and you, come short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up that causes trouble, and by it, and many will be defiled. So he's saying, what are many defiled by? A root of bitterness, something that got in them and took root. You hear me say it all the time, but if you get bit by a snake, you're not in trouble. You might be. You might not be. The bite of the snake will hurt you. It hurts to be bitten by a snake. I don't care what kind of snake it is. It'll hurt you. It'll get your attention. But is it dangerous or not? Well, it depends on if something got in you. Because you could be bit by a non-venomous snake and it just hurt. But if you're bit by a venomous snake, it hurts. But it's not the true danger. The true danger is not the bite. The true danger is the venom running through your system. And you can, go, you can go through the loss of a loved one. You can go through a parent that's lost or a spouse that's lost. I've wrestled with, with, with things like that in my own life. I've seen my grandmother, her husband passed away. Both of her sons passed away. It hurt. I'm telling you, it hurts. I know the hurt. I've walked with people. It hurts. But I'm telling you, the true danger is not the loss of the loved one. The true danger is the grief that sets in. That if you don't allow that stuff to be dealt with by the blood of Jesus and the presence of the Lord, it'll change you from the inside out because the sorrow of the world works death. And it's the same way with people. Like when people hurt us, it hurts, but it's not the true danger. The true danger is the unforgiveness. The true danger is the bitterness. The true danger is the hardness of heart. It's delivering my mind to the torturers. It's coming to this place where I'm giving place to the enemy by allowing him to have a seat at my table, speaking to me those lies and those accusations against other people of why you still should be angry. Why you still should be upset. Look, they're not even paying attention to you. Literally giving the enemy a seat at your table. Letting him tell you lies and accusations against all these other people. Why you still have a right to be upset. And out of this, the whole while we're there, it is defiling us. The whole while we are there, it is causing us trouble. And until we deal with the bitterness, we'll never get free from the trouble and we'll never get free from the defilement. But I'm telling you, if you can forgive by the grace of God, you can get your power back, see mountains move, and prayers be answered. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. 
Number, number three, the thir- this is from the Mayo Clinic. Number three, it affects your physical body, blood pressure, heart health, and overall immunity. Paul wrote, we're taking communion today. It's World Communion Sunday. Um, Paul wrote in communion, he said, let me tell you why many are weak among you, why many are sick, and why many are dying prematurely, not discerning the Lord's body. Brothers and sisters in Christ holding things against each other. I'll tell you why people are weak. I'll tell you why they're sickly. And I'll tell you why they're dying prematurely. He said they're not discerning the Lord's body. And out of that, he's not talking about a wafer and and juice. What he's talking about is what that symbolizes, the body of Christ. And that we are all one body. And when I'm holding these things against people, it affects my health. It affects my overall immunity. It affects my blood. It affects everything. Number four. The fourth thing it'll do, number four, you are giving the person who hurts you power over your life even after they've left it. You're giving the event power over your life even after it's passed. They've moved on. Jacob has moved on Esau. He's literally in a different land. Saul, David's not even in the kingdom anymore. He's in the wilderness. And Saul's sitting in a palace and can't even enjoy it because he's still caught up with the song of David slayed tens of thousands and I've only slayed thousands. And he's getting sicker and sicker in the head. We see all these things, Absalom stewing over what his brother did to him and what his his father would not do. Have you ever been offended with someone with what they didn't do? And Absalom is looking at David. It's like any moment is good now to step into this. And he gets so offended that his father is not stepping in and correcting a son that he gets mad at him and he begins to change. And Absalom has, has given his power over to David's inaction. And he's getting more and more offended. And he's about to turn into somebody that he, he never wanted to be. In fact, he turned into the person he hated. And out of these things, like, we, we must come to this place of forgiveness. And my question is, is, is how? How do we move past the hurts? How do we move past the wounds? I'll tell you four quick things, and we'll receive communion. Number one, practice empathy. Empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy is you let your, oh, you're going through something, I feel bad for you. Empathy is, I will put myself in your shoes. Did you know the Lord Jesus did that with us? Uh, In the book of of Hebrews, it tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all things as we were yet without sin. What does that mean? Jesus knows what it's like to, to have a parent die. Joseph died. He died. Jesus knows what grief is like. Jesus knows what, what, what it's like to, to be abused, forsaken, left. He understands. So before he has this moment of forgiveness, he has this moment of empathy where he lives life on this earth for 33 years and he sees the worst of humanity. And he's like, I understand how it hurts. And I understand why you would act that way. You know, I found this as a pastor. It's hard to hate people up close. You get up close to them, you hear what they went through, you hear about their childhood. You hear about how, how they had people abuse them, leave them, run out on them. You hear about the, the, the mother who was a, a drug addict. The father who was an alcoholic or not, never there to begin with. It's hard to hate people up close. 
And when you, when you think about the person who has wounded you and you, you put yourself in a position and ask why, why did they do that? Why did they say that? You'll find that most oftentimes it is hurting people who are hurting people. And when you put yourself in their shoes, it's easier to come to this place where you're releasing forgiveness. Number two, how do I forgive? I let the pain deepen my faith. Until you can bless the past, you'll never be free from it. I want to say that again. Let it resonate in your soul. Until you can bless the past, you'll never be free from it. You've got to look back and you've got to bless it. When my father passed away, I learned how to look to God as my father. When I feel waves of emotion of when my father's absence, naturally, I know where he is spiritually, but naturally when I feel that wave of emotion, I learn from it, I deepen, I listen to it, and I ask, Father, what can I learn from this? And it's like, I need to show my children I love them. I need to see the gift I have in my children and be the father to them that my father was to me and grab them close, let it deepen you. See, our faith will be tested. It'll be tested by people. It'll be tested by events. If you you really decide to be a Christian and to live out this Christian faith, it will be tested. Your forgiveness will be tested. Your patience will be tested. But the trying of our faith is not something we should run from. The trying of our faith is more precious than gold because just as gold is put in a fire and when it heats up, the impurities in the gold come out, the same is true with our faith. And you don't need faith until you're in a storm. And you don't need patience until they're taking too long. And you don't need kindness until somebody has has offended you. And you don't need forgiveness until somebody has wounded you. And you don't need gentleness until you're dealing with someone who's not changing. But when you deal with someone who's not changing, you're able to look at it and say, I will be more gentle. And then 20 years from now, you look at it and say, I became more gentle. You'll be free. But you'll never be free from the past until you can bless it. Thirdly, you got to bless them. It's not just the past, but you got to bless them. The Lord said, pray for your enemy. Jesus is on a cross. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Somebody says, well, why in the world would I do that? The Bible says in the book of Romans, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. This is not talking about the evil in them. This is talking about the poison in you. The evil that's surging through your system when you're holding on to that root of bitterness. And sometimes you got to do something good to get it out of you. That you make a decision, I will not allow this in my system any longer. I will bless you. I will write you a letter. I will pray for you. But I am not allowing this emotion to just surge through my system. I'm getting out. I'm getting out of it and applying the anti-venom, which is the love of God towards you. And when you begin to release forgiveness by doing even physical things, you find that its hold on you is lessened. And finally, number four, how do I forgive? It's cooperation, not determination. Somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? It's not like, I will forgive them. It is, let me look at my life and to see how much the Lord has forgiven me. Anything. Think about all the wrong actions. God knows everything that you, you ever did. Think about all the wrong thoughts. How many times did you have a wrong thought and the Lord forgave it, washed it, accepted you, held you? How how many times did you walk away and he came back? How many times did you say, I'll never do it again? And three minutes later, not even a day, three minutes later. 
and the Lord welcomes you back. See, when, you, when you're mindful of how much you've been forgiven, it's a lot easier to give some forgiveness. And this is why we're taking communion today. World Communion Sunday, taking communion today. Why are we celebrating a wafer and juice? Because it's a sign that the Lord broke his body. He became wounded for our transgressions. You've been wounded, he was wounded for you. You've been hurt, he was hurt for you. That he took on my wounds. And that his blood, though my my sin was red like crimson, his blood can wash me whiter than snow. Anything. Well, Pastor Joel, you don't know what I've done. Anything. Anyone. Well, Pastor Joel, you don't know who I am. Anyone. I don't care how messed up you think you are, how dysfunctional you think you are, anyone. And so today we celebrated Jesus who would take someone who who was an adulterer and a murderer in David, but yet through the blood of Jesus, God calls him a man after his own heart. That three-fourths of our New Testament would be written by a man who literally was an abuser and a terrorist. And he looked at his life and he said, why did he pick me? He said, I'll tell you why he picked me. That could be an example to each and every one of you that you have never gone too far, that the Lord's mercy and grace cannot find you and redeem you. Anyone, anything. And so today we receive communion, knowing that we are forgiven. And just like we have been forgiven, today at all of our campuses we give forgiveness to anyone and anything. So let's stand to our feet at all of our campuses. I'm going to pray over you. At this moment, if you haven't been given any communion elements at any campus, just lift up your hand no matter where you're at, and ushers will be in the aisles ready to give you some communion elements. I see some down here at the front here at Lakeland. Um, Whatever campus you're at, just lift your hand. Our ushers will give you some communion elements. And what we'll do is we'll pray over our elements, we'll receive forgiveness, and we'll release it, and then we'll have a moment in song and worship where we just worship the Lord over the decisions that we've made today. Let me pray over our elements today. Father, we come before you and we thank you in the name of Jesus that your blood forgives anyone and anything, that you paid the price for all of our sin and mistakes, so we receive forgiveness. In fact, today at all of our campuses, just with heads bowed and eyes closed, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you forgive anyone and anything. So I thank you, Father. Today, I am forgiven, washed by the blood of Jesus, made new and restored. My past, it is over. No longer will I carry the weight and the shame of my past, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. In Jesus' name, I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And today, Father, I make a decision to give forgiveness of anything, any event in life that did not work out the way I wanted it to, I release that. Jesus, you redeem my life. 
from that destruction. Anyone who has forsaken me, walked out on me, hurt me in any way, I forgive them by the blood of Jesus. It is over. I walk away. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. And so are they by the blood of Jesus. And I'll say boldly, my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen.